You're listening to Road to Resilience. I'm John Earl. Just five years ago, if you were a transgender person in New York City and you wanted to get surgery to bring your body in line with your gender identity, you pretty much had to be rich. Gender-affirming surgeries can cost tens of thousands of dollars. And at the time, Medicaid wouldn't pay for them. And there was another problem. There wasn't a single specialist in the whole city of New York who could perform the surgeries. Things are very different today, and that's thanks in part to people like my guest. In the 1990s, Mahogany Phillips was a successful male model. Her face was all over post-apartheid South Africa. But inside, she had a nagging feeling like she was in the wrong body. And eventually, she made a brave decision to give up her career to be her true self. Mahogany is nothing if not resilient. She's overcome schoolyard bullies and fashion jerks and Medicaid officials who said that the facial feminization surgery she wanted was purely cosmetic. She currently appears in a beautiful documentary film called Born to Be. The film follows Dr. Jess Ting of Mount Sinai's Center for Transgender Medicine and Surgery and looks at how his work changes the lives of his patients, including Mahogany. So here's Mahogany Phillips. I hope you enjoy our conversation. First of all, thank you, Mahogany, for being on Road to Resilience. Thank you. <laughs> you grew up in Cincinnati in a black family in the 1970s. That's right. And my understanding is that it was not an easy place to be a queer person. No. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, um, you were sort of ostracized. Um, you were thought of as strange or weird or just not included. I mean, I spent a lot of time of my childhood not having friends. I mean, you know, I would get teased at school and then um, I would go home and then I would be teased. Like, And then every neighborhood that I would move to, I would feel like I would have a fresh start. Oh, this is going to be a fresh start. Thank God I'm going to start over. It's a new beginning. I can, you know, um, try to fit in and I can have friends and stuff like that. And then my brothers and everybody would say, well, if you don't do what I say, then I'll tell that you're gay. You know what I mean? So they would have always hold that over my head. I love my brothers and sisters today, but I mean, it's just something that is the truth that really happened. You know what I mean? It's like back then, like people just didn't know the, the, um, the weight that that carries, you know, for a person, you know, and now it's more talked about. Right. Even then back it wasn't then- talked about. There was no, uh, you like you didn't hear the word transgender until you were in your thirties. Oh, like, I, I remember yeah, when, we, I, when, we, when we spoke, yeah, you, you said that transgender. You you knew about transvestite. That was the term that was right, familiar to you, right? And I I didn't identify with that at all um, because the people that I saw that was living that lifestyle were like uh, around the meatpacking district and like uh, turning tricks and like all this sort of stuff. I just, I didn't grow up in a city. I grew up in um, suburbs, just a whole different lifestyle. Mm. I just couldn't relate. So when you were 19, you did an extraordinary thing. You moved to Europe to go into, well, you had already been in modeling for some years, but you moved to Europe to develop your career as a model. Yes. And um, I, I want to talk about your development of your identity. Can you tell me about I go to Europe that. and immediately, I was immediately free. I was just so like, oh my God. I was just like, the sky's the limit. I can be whoever I want to be. They're just, they're just so open and they just love black people and they love natural black hair and they love people to be themselves more so. Did that apply to kind of like your sexual uh, exploration or coming of age as well? Was that included in in the freedom of Europe? Yeah, because yeah. they were very open to 
gay mm -hmm. society. At the time, I thought I was gay, so they were very open to, you know, there's no line as far as, like, feminine mm -hmm. or masculine or, you know, in Paris, it's like, oh, my God, you're an artiste. <laughs> like, oh, my God, you are unique. Yeah. You are something, I don't know, like, you know what I mean? And they can't even think of a word, but it's like, they love you for that. So you felt appreciated, really, like, right. for the first Whereas time. Whereas yeah. America, when you're different, it's like, oh, but you ain't, you don't agree with the group? Oh. So you go to Europe, um, and then your career, like, started to really take off. Right. right. After I, I went to Europe, and then um, I started working bits and pieces here and there, and people started taking notice of me. And then I went to London and then I went to South Africa and that's where my career- That's where you blew up. Right, that's where I became a top model in South Africa. Tell me about what it was like to be a supermodel. To be a supermodel was amazing. It was the most amazing experience. I mean, um, I was literally walking down the street and people were like, hey you, the supermodel, hey you, hey you. And I was like, who? And I was turning around and they were like, you, 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 with their accents, you, you. And I was like, okay. And it was weird. And I was like, okay. And I went back to my agency and I was like, there's lots of people stopping me on the streets and stuff. And they were like, well, that's because, you know, your poster is all over the highways and expressways and it's in malls and it's in. And so I called my family and I was like, I ain't coming back. I'm not on my way back to Ohio. Cause they were mm -hmm. like, well, you better be your ass on the way back to Cincinnati, Ohio. And I was like, well, I'm not coming back to Cincinnati, Ohio. You're, you're going through this, you're having this amazing career and there's mm -hmm. still a part of you inside that's mm -hmm. figuring out who you are. Right. Like there's still the, the identity of a transgender person. You still right. hadn't reached that point yet. I still wasn't like, sure. I really you, was not you were, sure. You were, uh, I still wasn't, I wasn't there yet. I still thought that I was a gay male trapped. Right, right. I didn't know what I was. I knew that I was way yeah. I felt like a woman, but I feel like I said, I just am myself, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm just like regular, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? At a certain point, you decide to come back to the States. Yes. Tell me the steps that take you to the moment when you're on the set and you decide, I can't do this anymore. This doesn't feel right. Nick at Night was doing, um, they were doing like these throwback commercials where they had these like... Um, throwback shows from the 70s and they time periods they had the 70s the 80s and the 90s and they put me into one from the 70s with a girl and they wanted me to play her husband and i knew the girl from the clubs and she knew me and we were cool and uh i didn't want to leave the dressing room i didn't want to leave the dressing room i was getting paid really well and it was for nickelodeon and everything and it was a national and um that's how strongly it was hitting me. And I didn't know what, what was, was hitting you. I don't know what was hitting me. It was hitting me in the dressing room that I can't do this in no more. I can't do this. Shit. Like I can't do this for no amount of money. I cannot, you know, I felt way unprofessional, but I was like, you couldn't, okay, you couldn't do what I cannot play these roles anymore. I can't, even though I'm at work and it's my job and I'm portraying a role. And even though I'm acting for stills or I'm acting for a commercial, this is even difficult. That's when I knew this is a problem. Because you, you couldn't, you didn't when feel I authentic. When I go home, I you, did not feel right. It didn't feel, it didn't feel right. It felt strange. It felt weird. And then I'm putting on and I said, oh my goodness, 
I don't want to put myself out there to pretend like I'm this straight male, like I'm this father figure, I'm this thing or whatever, and then be miserable. And that meant that you you that threw, meant I have to you walk away you from walked a away from walk. a successful yeah, I have career. Yeah, walk away. I have to walk away. So I'm like, okay. I don't know what I'm just doing. Like, you know, this and to my family and to everybody, this is the craziest thing in the world because it's like you work so, so hard and then you built, 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 built and you went to Europe and then you went to South Africa and you've endured all this other stuff to get all of those tear sheets to come back and say, I don't want to do it no more. I'm not this person. Like, what? Like, you know, so my family didn't know what. And I'm like, well, I'm not on drugs. You know what I mean? I know it seems really crazy that I just walked away from a successful modeling career and I'm just choosing to work like a nine to five at AT AT&T. But um, I couldn't do that no more. Tell me about the moment when it clicked that you were transgender. Okay. Well, when it clicked was when a family friend came to bring her kids um, you were like in your mid thirties, right? More, more towards forties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm 51 now. And, um, she was like, when are you going to start your transition? And I was like, what? Trans what? And she was like, well, when are you going to start your transition? And it was, I say, it was like, as if somebody was, if you have a light with the ceiling with a chain, it was like she pulled that chain, like click, click, and clicked on the light for me. Click. And I was like, right. Transition. Right. We're getting to that part. Yeah, transitioning. Transitioning. Right. Well, soon. 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 Yeah. Definitely soon. And she said, well, yeah, because I think they're now, like, you know, um, like, yeah, they're starting to do stuff. And they're like, I think you can get, like, some, you can get hormones. And I was like, the next day I called my doctor and like, I think by Tuesday I was on hormones. Mm -hmm. Like that was a Friday and I think by Tuesday I was on them. Like I went in and he was like, literally the next day I was on hormones. You know what I mean? What did it feel like after 35 years to finally have a name that felt comfortable and have an identity that felt like it was you? It felt, it felt, it felt awesome. It felt clean. To me, like transitioning sounded really nice, not a transvestite or anything like that, which sounded really more derogatory. And then what I saw, what they thought of what is a transvestite or whatever. And so then I was like, okay, well, that's a nice word for it. You know, because remember, I came from that very conservative neighborhood. So I can call back home and I can say I'm transitioning. That sounds nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it sounds like yeah. you're going through yeah. a change. Yeah, okay. it's a nice gradual. You're going through a change. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're, they're going through a change. I think it's so important um, for people to realize that when this is like 2007, 2008, at that point, actually having top or bottom surgery, gender affirmation surgery was extremely expensive, right? It was something that only... <laughs> Very rich people could afford. Not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. It was not just, gonna happen. It I was went to go somewhere see a in outer space. He told me forget about it. He told me like kicked me out of his office and was like, "Are you serious? You came over here and wasted my time for you to come over here and me to tell you that ain't gonna never ever happen." I told him, "Well, would you think Medicaid would ever?" Because I was like, "Well, I could fight for it, and like I could be the first one to fight for it." And he was like, "That ain't." ever gonna 
happen. And if you should ever, that ever does, then you give me a call. But uh, uh, don't hold your breath. So if you're, you're in this period and you're thinking, how much do I need to save? Right. Hundreds of thousands. Of so people, I was right? figuring yeah, about of between 125000 mm-hmm. to 145000 Yeah. You know, dollars. So, yeah. And that's, that's problem one, right? The cost is one thing. The right. other problem is that there are so few places that would they perform would surgery. The surgery. At the time, they yeah. wouldn't even do it. They wouldn't even touch it. They were like, what? No. Mm-mm. No. Yeah. No. You had very few people that would even touch it. Um, you know, like I said, you know, even if, if a doctor did, was interested in, 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 in doing the surgeries, then they would, they would be like under a lot of scrutiny because it's like, oh, are you trans? Are they transgender? You trying to tell us something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, why would you be interested in this? You know, for those, for those, for those freaks. Why would you want to, you know what I mean? Because that's what they thought of us at the time as freaks and strange and weird. This was not thought of as something that is really great and, and, and wonderful and, and we're unique people and, and, and wonderful people. People didn't see us like that. They saw us as weird and freaks and strange. You know, people that wanted to dress up. So that's what people thought transgender was. So this is something that, that comes up in the film, and I think the film Born to Be, you should all see it, um, is so beautiful. One of the reasons it's so beautiful is because it really captures the urgency. Like, why are gender affirmation surgeries so urgently important? Because this allows a person to be themselves. It allows a person to come into what their purpose for being here is. And if they can get that out the way and then they can leave the house, they can, you know, it's hard for a transgender person when they wake up in the morning, it's like, that's the first thing before you, when your feet hits the floor, it's like, that's the first thing you deal with. So before you even are able to leave the house, you're just like, you know, before you've had surgeries, you're just, you're taking a shower and whereas the other person would take a shower and just get dressed, a trans person is like, you know, we all look in the mirror. So it's like, you have to deal with your, you have to look at yourself in the mirror. And that is like, you're just, it's hard for a transgender person to even get out of the house is a, that's a huge goal. That's a huge goal in itself, you know, and then you got to go out to the rest of the world and then you got to go deal with all this bullshit. You know what I mean? You're just trying to get from A to B, but you got somebody over here sitting across from you, looking at you, judging you, you know what I'm saying? Or whatever. And so the surgery gets you to a point where you can just be. So now you can get on with your life, whatever that is, whatever your purpose is, you can go now and be. I want to talk a little bit about uh, your experience with Dr. Ting in Mount Sinai. Um, Mm -hmm. But first I should say that two things that changed that I think are really important to mention between um, when you first like had that light bulb moment mm-hmm. of I'm transgender and right. like transitioning to when you were actually able to, to pay for it right. um, was New York state became one of the first in the country to require insurers to pay for gender affirmation surgery. Um, that was in 2015 and 2016, the next year um, Mount Sinai opened their center for transgender medicine and surgery. Right. Um, so suddenly um, people on Medicaid could 
have the surgery, which was right. unprecedented. So the surgery was used to be only for for rich people. Essentially, could now be for everybody. Right. Um, talk to us about your experience with Dr. Ting. Well, Dr. Ting for me was like a light at the end of the tunnel when I saw him. I, I mean, his personality just shines, of course. And when I went into the room, I was just like, of course, my crazy self. And so when I walked in, I was like, hey! And he was like... <laughs> and he, he's so quiet, right? Okay, <laughs> hi. And I was like, you know, and then I was just elated. I was elated. It was like finally happening. I was in front of a doctor that could help me. I was in front of somebody that could help me. I was just like, I cannot believe it. I cannot believe it. And his spirit just came hit me like a ton of bricks. I was just like, this the man is going to help me. You know what I mean? And so, and then he told me at the time, he told me the first day, he said, uh, well, they're doing the breast and they are doing the bottom, which I had already known, but they're not doing the face yet. You say they're not covering. They're not covering the face. Yeah. And I said, well, can we just go ahead and start? And he was like, let's not bite off more than we can chew right now. Like, you know what I mean? Let's just let's yeah. get through the breast and let's mm -hmm. get through, you know, because you, I had ha actually had my breast done with mm -hmm. another physician. And let's get through the bottom surgery. And let's get the paperwork for that. And let's get through that. And then we'll start, right, attacking the other things and stuff like that. And I told him, well, I'm going to be the first one, Dr. Ting. I'm telling you. I'm going to be the first one to get it. Watch, you watch. You watch and see Dr. Ting. And I would always say like his, his name in a weird way. It was really funny. You see Dr. Ting. You're going to see Dr. Ting. Like that. And I would just play with him. And he just thought I was yeah. this, this crazy person. But you fought and you fought and you were the first one to get that. I fought and I fought. I was denied that. two times. You got it done. And you, were, uh, you yeah, got it covered. And I you, said, you we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And, and I was excited because when I got denied the two times, then I knew it was on and, and it was on and popping. Right. I was like, okay, now it's really on and popping. I love a challenge. So I was like, okay, now we got two denials. Now I might have to go march on Washington. Now I might have to get out here in front of television cameras because I know that I can push. I know that mm. I, I knew that this was my calling. Mm. You know what I mean? And I knew that they would be like, okay, I knew they would hear us. You know what I mean? I knew they would hear us. There's this amazing scene in the film when Dr. Ting removes the bandages on your face for the first time and you see your new face mm -hmm. for the first time. What's going through your head? I'm, I'm now completely free. I'm now, it's done. Like, we are here. This is over. Like, this is the new beginning of the new me. Like, you know, this is, wow. You know, but I have a whole, a whole new face. So it's like, uh, you know, much more feminine face. Now I can go back to work. I'm thinking immediately I can go back to work. Thank you, God. I can go back to work. Thanks to the surgery. And that's because of the surgery. You know what I mean? The yeah. surgery, like I said, it evens the playing field for everybody because then you can go out here also and you can, as a, whereas someone in Beverly Hills can have the surgery, now someone in Brownsville can have the surgery. So I'm not sitting, I can go, the sky's the limit. I can go out here and achieve all of my dreams. You know, I can put that behind me. I'm no longer circling my apartment from mirror to mirror to mirror to mirror to mirror. I'm not in my apartment trying to tuck and, 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 and 
tuck something in a small pair of panties and small extra garments so that it's really extra tight so that nothing comes out or to the side or anything like that or you know or I'm just so insecure about my facial features that I can make it outside of the house or whatever and the first thing that anybody says off to me you know what I mean then there it goes my self esteem is like down low Mm. I'm ready to run back home because that's all it takes is someone bad say one little bad thing to a trans person and you turn literally right back around and you're like you know what Like, they just want to be happy in their skin. At the end of the day, everybody, whether you're cisgender or transgender or whatever gender you are, you just want to be, everybody wants to be happy in their own body. That's what you were just saying, Mahogany, was so powerful. Um, And I think so true. And uh, I see freedom in you. And it's inspiring. Thank you. Uh, Now, it's like, man, I just... I feel like I can do anything. Like, I just really, I just feel like I can do anything. I'm just so happy just to be like, I don't even know. Like, it's just, it's awesome, you know, really. I mean, like, like I said, I'm doing all these things. Now I'm taking karate and um, I'll be taking gymnastics uh, starting next week at the Chelsea Piers. And I'm just doing all these things. It's like I'm living for the first time. This is like my first year living in my full-fledged body as me. Um, there are two, two questions. One, I was wondering, um, what does resilience mean to you? Resilience to me means like to be able to bounce back. So to be like to, to overcome obstacles to um, be unique, be myself, be resilient, be outgoing, be strong, um, resilient. Like, that's what it means to me. That's what it says to me. Um, is there anything you want to say that, that we haven't asked you that, you know, if a listener just remembers one thing from this interview, what do you, what do you think it's really important for them to know? Transitioning is about mind, body, and spirit. You must keep that in mind. You must keep that in mind. There's three parts, okay? And you cannot leave one section out. It's like you can't just have the physical and then not have the mental, you know, and you need some type of spiritual connection. It will not work without any type of faith. Everything is a walk in faith in life. Okay, because you have to put in the work before you can see something happen. That means that you're walking in faith. That means that you're taking a chance. You're going out here and you're taking a chance on something that you can't see it and you can't see it. So, you know, you don't know if it's going to happen. You're just walking through it, you know. Um, So you have to have those three things going on very, very strong. Okay, and it does not matter what anyone else has to think. It's about you. It's about you. This is about your life and about your journey. Okay? And this is about your happiness. Mahogany Phillips, <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> thank for you for being having here. me. This is such a pleasure. <laughs> thank you for having me. <laughs> Mahogany Phillips is a transgender activist and entrepreneur. 
We'll include links to her Instagram and the film Born to Be in the show notes. Road to Resilience is a proud production of the Mount Sinai Health System in New York City. It's produced by me, John Earl, Katie Ullman, and Nikki Hudson. Justin Gunn and Kathy Clark shoot all the beautiful photos and videos on our website. And Lucia Lee, as always, is our executive producer. From all of us here, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back in a couple weeks with more resilient stories.